Hey, y'all. Scotty Real. And the dude here. And we just want to shout out to our crew of listeners, growers, cannabis professionals, and recreational tokers. Otherwise known as the Dude Grows Crew. Who every week come through solid and donate their hard-earned money to produce this show. It's the support from our listeners that directly produces the Dude Grow Show and keeps the unbiased grow knowledge pumping out week after week after week, guys. You are the DGC, and there's strength in numbers. So please show us some love and help produce the next show by going to dudegrows.com and making a small donation. Respect. Come on, brother. Let's get high and start the show. Yeah. You're listening to the Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. Specific. Wanted to drop some knowledge on deep water culture and uh, got a guest co-host here, Scott from RealGrowers.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? He's uh, a, a growing comrade, and we've both had plenty of deep water culture under our belt, even though that's not how either of us grows currently. But uh, hot topic. Wanted to share the knowledge with everybody and get into it. I put a video out a while ago on DudeGrows.com called DWC Perfect. Got a ton of hits. We're going to go over a ton of comments on that video, as well as just, you know, talker knowledge. Why do DWC or, or why not do it? What was your experiences with it when you got into uh, the scientific madness of deep water culture, Scott? You know, man, I, I describe DWC as it's like a, building a dragster. <laughs> you know what <laughs> nice. I mean? Or at least, you know, it's like building a race car. And you got to figure what you want to do with that race car. If you like maintaining a race car and you're always out there tinkering and you love just keeping, you know, keeping things perfectly maintained, yeah, D- DWC is amazing. You know, it's like having your own grow lab, basically. Yeah, you're reminding but, me, Wayne, the pros and cons. You're talking performance. Yeah, uh, super high performance. Yeah, it's like driving. It's, it, it's kind of like saying, well. Dude, why don't you drive around a race car everywhere? You, you want to <laughs> go there fast, right? You like going fast. Because but... when it breaks, you're screwed. So, I yeah. mean, that's that's where the con is, guys. It's like like Scott's saying, my analogy is pretty close. It's like if you have, you know, yeah, some badass piece of equipment that's very precise and awesome in what it does, typically that's great until there's a problem and shit can go wrong quick. We're talking like a light cycle or less. You can have garden problems that can be catastrophic. 
Yeah, I mean, and from the from the race car perspective, you see the hippie driving around in a 1979 Subaru that's never done it, you know, never done anything but change the oil <laughs> to it, you know, and that's the that's the guy that the, the hippie that's growing in dirt in the mountains, you know, and is uh, you know, has, has grows the best stuff you've ever seen, you know, it doesn't take a lot of tech. I don't know anybody that grows in dirt, Scott. Just soil, just soil. <laughs> I actually know some people that grew in the Colorado dirt with everything going on <laughs> with 64 outdoors. They just went and you know went right up to their fence line and threw some seeds or put some clones down. And uh, I actually experienced some of that. I got to enjoy some of that. Uh, you know, October was pretty much harvest month around here. And I'll tell you, Colorado dirt's okay, buddy. Interesting. Nice. Yeah, nice to see. I've always been a container gardener. But back to the DWC, guys. Like, Let's get into here. Um, I want to talk about a couple comments. We'll bounce back and forth just because there are so many comments in on here, and it's great to hear what the heck people want to hear. And this is a good one I've heard. I've worked retail. I've worked grows. I've worked a lot. But from Bob Smith on uh, YouTube, again, guys, this video, you could you could just simply Google DWC Perfect. It'll pull right up or go to dudegrows.com. Uh, it, and go to the show section. It's right there. You can find it either either way. But from Bob Smith here, can you just I hope add, that's I, not his real name. I, I would assume Bob Smith's not, but we'll see. <laughs> I think John Doe and Steve Smith are next. So, <laughs> but uh, he wants to know if you can just add ice to your water to control water temperatures because water temperatures are clutch in deep water culture. Um, and I've been I've been down this road back in the day when I was running a, a little cloner bucket, you know, and you figure, I'm not going to buy a chiller just for that. So in the smallest of circumstances, I say you could get away with, you know, filling up your, your little liter bottles and swapping them out in a cloner or something. But in a big system, unless you've got a little ice slave, I don't think so. <laughs> You know what? I guess those bottles, though, you probably what probably talking about doing the two liter bottle thing, freezing the two liter bottles and throwing them in his res. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably, you know, you know, we got to see what scale he's on for a little closet system. Might do the trick, no? Yeah, if you got room in the freezer, I guess, and you're you're determined and you're around enough to change them. I mean, we'll, I could sum it up in better than nothing. That's for sure. Sure. Uh, in a larger system, not going to work for you. I've got a way to sum it up. If you don't want to buy a chiller, don't do deep water culture. There you go. Exactly, guys. The number one thing, we, let's let's hit that point, Scott. Water temperature, you want your water temperature, man, 68 to 72 at the highest, and some people might even argue that. But basically, I mean, I think that's a good set point there. And you want to buy a chiller, in my opinion, that is almost one size larger than you actually need, so it's not running so hard. Sure, because it's not like your plants are going to wilt if it gets a little, you know, like in, in, in air temperature. If it gets a little bit hot in one summer day, yeah, your plants might not love it, but they'll come back the next couple of days. In deep water culture, your water temperature goes up, your roots die, and that's it. Yeah, and that's why, guys, I mean, the cooler temperatures, I believe, it, it's it's cool enough that the negative bacteria and negative pathogens in your water can't bloom and proliferate. So that's why you want it cooler um, and basically, it's going to prevent your roots, like Scott's saying, from getting the root rot, the brown slime, and all that crap. So get a chiller. They're not cheap. And keep in mind, they do create heat. Chillers, while they're running, there's straight-up heat kicking out the back of them. So if you got a room where you're trying to comp AC, chiller is going to bring your room temp up, I think, at least a couple degrees or sometimes more, depending on the size you're running, if you run it in your room. You can always run it out of your room and plumb shit in, but keep that in mind. Yeah, chiller is just an air conditioner for water. So I mean, it uses the same compressor and all that. So definitely, definitely heavy. Uh, what would you say, heavy consumption piece of equipment? 
Yeah, yeah, you're going to get up there in amps. I mean, a half horse, I think, was about 7 amps. If you're getting up in size, guys, run your chillers on 220, 240 for sure. Treat it just like a big AC. You want it to run on the right power and, yeah, not create problems. But it's get your expense for that before you're going to go just DWC crazy with your system because that is going to be a big chunk of it. But in all fairness, man, I've ran uh, DWC. I think I ran a 10 or 12 light DWC room on uh two, I think, what were those, half or quarter horsepower chillers? They were the least expensive ones you could buy. And, I mean, that room was a producer, and those chillers earned, you know, definitely earned their, you know, their payback, that's for sure. So, not the worst investment in the world, buying a six or five or six hundred dollar chiller, you know? No, not at all. That's, you're going right into this next comment here. Um, Hard Charger, 3366, he's got, hey dude, are you still using this system? Um, I'm not, guys. I built that system for a client. I never actually used that one, although I have used one of these systems for about three or four harvests to have a you know hard summary on it. He wanted to know what kind of production did you achieve. Um, I've seen production in these systems. Uh, we're either talking current cultures or five-gallon buckets or any deep water culture. And if everything a water out, farm in there too, water farm. Water farm, true. Classifier. Yeah, yeah. My least favorite, without being severely modified, but yeah, water farms are popular. My most um, favorite. <laughs> I mean, why would the water farm be your most favorite? we got to go there. Because it has all those rocks, and those rocks serve as a little bit of a buffer. So even if your aeration screws up a little bit, the trickle and the venturi siphon, the, the top feeding of the water farm, uh, you can have an air stone clog without, without a problem. You can have circulation clog, and you don't have, experience the catastrophic failure that you do in true deep water culture. True, true. I never liked them just because the holes were so damn small and the plumbing was half inch and a lot of yeah. modifications I had to make. But they will grow a nice plant if you keep on top of everything. And there's I mean, definitely all the raw materials you need to build a badass high-performance deep water culture system. Exactly. Those but, water kits, right, with the Texas controller and the controller and everything. That's a pretty cool setup. I like it. Being, yeah, only negative small plumbing and stuff. But production, guys, on any of these systems we're talking, production should be peak. If you're spending the time to do this, you're going to have to be down there, wherever your grow is, two to three times a day monitoring pH levels, keeping everything very happy at least two times a day. Um, and your production should be on par with what you expect. You know, some people advance is old, two plus per light. Uh, that's all genetic, um, you know, potential there. But you should reach whatever your, your genetics are capable of reaching in a deep water culture for sure. But you got to be pretty analytical about it on top of your game. You know, uh, a, a monitor controller is a pretty cool thing for uh, pH if you're going to be doing deep water culture. I don't think they're more than a couple hundred dollars now. Are you talking you know, a doser? Basically a doser, yeah. It's, it's basically the pH pen sits in the water all, all day long, and then uh, when it get, hits a certain high range or a certain low, low range, the one that I had was pretty cool. It just turned on the power for a pump. So you'd put maybe a five-gallon bucket with high pH water and a five-gallon bucket with low pH water, and it would either draw from one of those, those five-gallon buckets and just pump it into the reservoir. It's pretty neat, man. Yeah, definitely, and you're right. Those are becoming, I think, a lot more functional I, and affordable uh, yeah, I, to be. I'll give you a link to put on the show notes. I bought them for $199 before. Nice. Yeah, I got a setup that works, the one I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. We'll hook that up, guys. And there's also some probably at some of the, the local hydro stores you can see too. But uh, that also always reminds me, as long as you're a somewhat of an analytical person that likes to keep records and keep on top of shit, that's clutch with all these systems. 
Hey, deep water culture also. I noticed I was calling the aquarium store a lot. I started ordering air stones and uh, air pumps and air line. Uh, you know, this is back in the day, but I was going through the aquarium stores because those guys are the, really the authority on air pumps, air stones, you know, the guys that, that do it to keep fish alive because it's kind of the same concept. Yeah, and depending on where you live, that might be your source, guys. I mean, here in Colorado, we're spoiled. I mean, we got like 75 hydro stores in Denver, so they're on top of everything we need as growers. But, I mean, maybe out in Iowa or Louisiana, hit up your aquarium stores for supplies, and uh, they'll be willing to talk water movement with you, different types of pumps, couplings, all that that hardware shit. Yeah, good point. Yeah, if you don't have your choice of a two-, three-, or four-foot bubble wand, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, let me do one more question here. Let's see what uh, Scott tells us a little about real, realgrowers.com. I like this guy, JJ Bones. Again, guys, all these comments are coming off of uh, YouTube, my YouTube channel, The Dude Grows, or you can find it at dudegrows.com. Just check out the, uh, the Dude Grows show, and you'll find this video titled DWC Perfect. He says, why would you give your client a dechlorinator and not an RO system? And, JJ, I, I agree with you. Um, the deal with this client, uh, we're trying to do everything as cheaply as possible. He's totally a newbie. And here in Colorado, we have pretty a pretty good water quality with most municipalities, um, unless you're on a well. So you can really get away with a dechlorinator if you have to. It lowers the PPM by about, I don't know, maybe 30, not a ton. But even that said, his water parts per million were about under 100. So we weren't ultra concerned with it. Uh, now, now Scott, I believe, has done some gardening in Florida. I think the water situation in South Florida might be a little bit different where you demand an RO system regardless of what you're doing with indoor gardening. You know what? As much as I'd love to, to jump on the RO you know, bandwagon, I can't, man. I can't stand RO filters. The only time I ever use them is if I've got really crappy well water. Any other time, I'll just use a tall boy and dechlorinate uh and I test for chlorine, never had a problem, you know, and, and I do microbials. I mean, I have, I have, I employ people to come in and do microbial testing for me, and I don't have a problem with microbial death uh, because of overchlorination. Yeah, yeah, and typically, guys, you can you can see uh, I mentioned different dechlorinators out there. If you're using a good one with a nice carbon filter, it's even going to get the chloramines out of there. And, uh, you know, that's the minimum I would do for your indoor gardening. So J.J. Bones, that's why this guy didn't get an RO system. I do like it. If you guys want to go to that extent, I'm all for it. You're going to add some expense to your gardening, and you need a dedicated drain for wastewater. But otherwise, RO water is freaking great. So. Yeah, I, I, don't you think that sucks putting all that water down the drain, though? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. The worst is when I hear about people taking it out of their well, and then they just put it right back into their well and keep cycling it. <laughs> like, I wonder how long that's going to last. I guess it depends on your well, of course. But Yeah, I just think it's kind of inefficient if you don't need it, if you can get the same results with the chlorine filter. Yeah, why not? I totally agree. So let's take – why don't I give you a plug, Scott? What's up with uh, – I know this is, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of a newer venture you've been getting on realgrowers.com. Is it yeah. gardening supply? Is it like I haven't visited it a ton myself, and what do you got going on over there? You know, it's a place for me to share all the stuff I'm exposed to. Uh, I'm the founder of Supreme Growers. Uh, I go It's a soil biology company. I go all over the country. I find some of the coolest things at these shows, and I, I end up meeting the owners. So some of the stuff that I really love, uh, whether it be the Octopot gardening system, which is a super cool, uh, basically wicking or passive deep water culture system, or uh, uh, the Supreme Growers products that uh, my buddy now runs that company. 
Uh, really awesome stuff. Uh, I sell my bamboo on there. I am actually a bamboo collector and have an 18-acre bamboo farm down in South Florida. So uh, we do sell that as well. And uh, just all different kinds of fun stuff. Real great seeds that I found. Uh, great growing equipment and growing supplies. And check it out. It's a place where I blog. I blog on indoor gardening. So go check it out, man. Yeah, it sounds like maybe all in one spot to check in if you're an indoor-outdoor gardener. And yeah, just yeah. see what's up. Yeah, a place where I put all my content and just hang out. Cool. Well, that's realgrowers.com, and uh, yeah, that's why I want to have Scott here on the show because he knows a little bit about everything. I don't know if he'll say a lot about one thing, but I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> um, that's my trick. Now, I want to get into uh, uh, nutrients, guys, deep water culture nutrients. Um, I'm, I haven't found it yet, but there's a gentleman in here that commented on uh, – that system kicks ass. I can't wait to grow hydro organics in it. And I just was, ugh. Yeah. Um, varying opinion here. I mean, if you're going to try organics in any type of hydro system, especially deep water culture, if I want you to have like a degree in it. Um, you can pull it off, but it's good. you really need to know what's going on with uh, everything, especially water temperature. That being said, my take is straight chemical, straight sterilization one of the first products i recommend to people is zone from dutch master what zone does it's i think it's copper and um shit i don't know what else is in it but it it, it kills everything doesn't kill anything uh, like your plant roots of course but anything in that water that presents itself negative bacteria and shit zone is going to kill it and it's a very low dose it's it's not too expensive and that's zone from dutch master on top of that, you could mix in a variety of nutrients. I used actually Dutch Master most of the time in this system because A and B gold, super easy, super clean. And when we took the system apart to clean it after a run, it was it was easy. So if you're going to run some nasty shit, that's that's another thing. You're going to spend three times as much cleaning it. Um, and what else? What else? What other nutrients have you used in deep water culture? You know what's a cool one that that I found, and I'm by no means affiliated with them at all, but Floralicious. I actually used to, when I was trying to get more flavor out of deep water culture, I would use Floralicious. And, uh, yeah, I did get some decent uh, – did, did make a difference. Certainly did. I could see that, yeah, because it's got the uh, – Floralicious has got a lot of good stuff in it, B vitamins and uh, some kelp. And I can definitely see that making the system harder to clean. Floralicious is a pretty – Change yeah. your nutrient solution, really dark type of product. Definitely, but the reason I'm I'm saying that is it really didn't wreak it didn't wreak havoc on it, you know. And what we're talking about is a clogged dripper line or a clogged delivery line or a clogged airstone, which a lot of these nutrients, believe it or not, they'll actually clog up the airstone. I don't know how it does. I'm not a physics guy, but uh, it's it's amazing. After four or five days of being in these nutrients, you have to clean these airstones out. Some of them. Uh, so I forgot what I was going to say, Brett. Rescue me. Rescue you. All right, I'll rescue you. <laughs> you were talking about the Floralicious, and I was talking about it getting dirty. As far as the nutrient-wise, you mentioned adding Floralicious because flavor. This is a big complaint, guys. You'll hear this. Um, guys going into the cannabis cup, weed connoisseurs, uh, they say hydro can't touch soil because of the flavor. You're never going to get the same flavor parameters in hydro. So finding a product that you can add at the right time to add flavor to hydro can be tricky because if you're just doing a straight hydro grow with Dutch Master A and B, maybe there's silica, basically everything you add to the water, I added all this to a 50-gallon drum, it still looked like there was nothing in there. I mean, it's like the PPM readers definitely, or EC meters definitely handy at that point. Um, but yeah, because most things that add flavor are also going to be somewhat natural organic and might add, you know, a 
a negative effect to your reservoir. Uh, maybe some of those sugars out there, I guess, like sugar E, I've heard, they're getting crazy with some sour apple or try some of those chemical flavoring products. But I never got too much unbelievable flavor out of uh, out of hydroponics or deep water culture myself. Yeah, I'd have to say definitely the reason why I came and switched to soil, you know. Yeah, and that's why, you know, a lot of guys don't care about that because they're growing commercially on a hydroponic level that, you know, the fla- they're like, we don't care about flavor, we care about gram per watt, so that's sure. why they're in the system. We used to talk about what bulb to go with, the Plant Max or the Hortolux or Ushio, and I mean, I think now it's done if you're a Colorado grower. $60,000 watt Hortolux is over at Way to Grow, dude. Say, hey, I'm, I want to use Dude Grow's account. I want to get that $60 deal on the 1,000 watt Hortoluxes. Another badass hookup. Tell that to the guys in California, and uh, that's cheaper than 500 light guys can buy them for. Just stock up on the Hortolux. It's a fucking no-brainer. Um, I'm not sure there is a higher performing system than deep water culture. I mean, you can almost watch the plants grow. Just sit there with, <laughs> sit there after smoking a J in a lawn chair. All right, I swear, I can see it. I can see it. Just another millimeter. <laughs> nice. Un- um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's an unbelievable growth rate. And, I mean, you can, like, uh, you know what I noticed it most is when you would top the plants. When you would go in there and trim them, you'd come back literally 72 hours later and it looked like nothing ever happened. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, when it's chugging along, um, it's great. One more nutrient thing I'll mention. I just remembered it before we get off nutrients. Um, like I said, you want to keep it sterile. Um, you want to pick a very soluble, clean nutrient. Another good one uh, is uh, Ionic. Ionic has a, a two-part uh, grow. Actually, they have a grow and a bloom. So I believe a one-part and then a PK booster. Very simple nutrient line. Uh, I, there's plenty of great two parts out there. Of course, there's the tried and true, uh, flora series, which is a three part, but they do have their duo A and B now as well. So those will all work. I think they're all going to work equally as well, guys. It's going to come down to who's got the better environment after that. But I had uh, good luck running Hygrozyme too. Actually, it was on your recommendation, Brett, back in the day, but Hygrozyme did me right in deep water culture. I'm not, you know, I'm a little superstitious when it comes to deep water culture, but I felt like it just kept things clean. Yeah, I like Hygrozyme as well. I I think that would be debatable. If you're going to go with Zone, I'm not sure if I would run Hygrozyme or vice versa. Each one is going to um, do a little bit of a different thing. They're definitely not the same product, but you'd have I felt to like Hygrozyme was hanging out there. You know what I mean? Like had a systemic effect where it was just kind of hanging out and kept you know kept cleaning. Yeah, kept the roots happy, kept the slimy slime or shit from building up. I was told Hygrozyme came from like a hospital. Like the hospital industry. Did you ever hear that story? Yeah, I believe it was Sipco uh, Industries and an enzyme enzyme for cleaning something in hospitals. I don't it might even have been surgical instruments in it. And I don't know if it's the same exact formula, of course, used in horticulture. But sure. Yeah, I'm. I've. I don't know. That is one product off subject that uh, I have not gotten away from. I still have a bottle uh, right now, so I, I definitely use that product. I think it it, it has a lot of applications. All right, so if we were going to just do something simple for you know somebody that wanted to try it, we could say uh, I'll give you my old recipe. This is a 1990s recipe, but it was Floranova. Uh, I'm so, I'm sorry, it was uh, the Flora series. The, uh-huh. the three, that's the three part GH series with uh, Hygrozyme, Floralicious, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah, no, you're definitely covering all it. your bases. Yeah. It's not too bad, except for some nice pH up and down, which I'd oh, like to mention. I'm sorry, I forgot one thing. I'm so sorry, but you know what I forgot, and this is a, a, kind of a interesting, SM90. 
two milliliters per gallon of SM90 in the reservoir, and that kept all the bugs away, all the bad guys away. I really do believe that. That is a good product as well. I never used it like you did as much, but yeah, I that is a great product, guys. SM90 has a lot of applications as well, especially mixing it with neem and spraying your plants and killing mites. Um, that's that's an, that's an old school recipe there. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to um, the problems. Like you know, what has been a major problem in DWC? What can happen? One for me. Once your plants get all mature, especially in this undercurrent system you're seeing, uh, if you guys have looked at the video, DWC Perfect, check it out. Uh, once the plants get mature, even though the diameter on that plumbing is two and a quarter inches, you can get roots going into your plumbing on the side of the bucket enough to completely clog your, your flow of current if you have a deep water system totally connected. For so real. You're going to have to be on top of that. I mean, cutting away root material to prevent that really isn't ideal because we want all the roots we can get. So it's basically lifting plants out of their positions and gently, very gently putting your hand into plant sites where the roots are and just making sure your plumbing's clean. You know, check it every other day if need be. But I found at least once a week, once the roots really started growing, things were starting to get clogged. And what will happen is you'll end up getting a flood <laughs> where it's clogged. I was just going to say, it's yeah. a mystery leak where you're looking and you go, nothing's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? This is you know, all put together perfect. Yep. Yeah, but the roots are clogging one of the buckets, causing a chain reaction. Totally. Um, another thing, guys, would be, I mean, obviously, if your chillers are kicking, you're not going to have an overheating option. Uh, air pumps dying, you really don't want your air pump down for more than a light cycle, if that. Your air stones, uh, you know, keeping the system happy, keeping the water oxygenated. Uh, what do you do for air, air pumps? I, there's quite a few options there. That's where I went to the aquarium store. Air pumps, yeah, I mean, if you're, they're getting better now, what's available at Definitely. hydroponic distributors, but, yeah, off, I ordered one online from an aquarium supply, guys, and I'm talking an air pump, basically, that will power, you know, up to 20 to 40 sites, and you just build a big manifold to, to do it, so, yeah, sure. those are good, uh, the reason being, you have experienced, I think they're called blowers, Regener regenerative blowers, and that's what like when you literally are running like the fish store, you just plumb one, maybe one horsepower or one half horsepower regenerative regenerative blower up, and you can drill 400 ports off it. You know, if you want 400 air stones off it, no problem. So you know, if you're running like a 99 plant system, and you know, if you're running a, a water farm system, say, well, you're going to need one for the the top drip ring the venturi drip ring and you're going to need one or two air stones for your bucket so i mean that's th three air stones per that's 300 ports you would need so, so the regenerative blower those are the ones that are kind of like eh, like they're more sounds <laughs> it's not it doesn't sound like that it sounds like a jet engine it's much honestly <laughs> it does, it's much more annoying of a sound than that <laughs> yeah. it's just this high-pitched whine that will it really sounds like you're running a jet engine so I only really only for commercial applications, but it is the most efficient yeah. uh, way, way to push a lot of air for commercial applications. And I will tell you, when I ran regenerative blowers, the performance was apeshit. I mean, I'd say that's like your turbocharger right there. If you want to go back to that car analogy, it was like putting the craziest turbocharger on there. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that was talking about air stones failing. Uh, what are we missing? Any problems? Flooding? Yeah, I mean, for the smaller grower guys, my first hydroponic room with water culture was set up in an upstairs bedroom 
If you're setting up a deep water culture area or a hydroponic grow area, there's a 90% chance at one point in your grow you're going to run into a flood situation. Yep. So I was filling a res, you know, everybody's probably done it, and, you know, went down, cracked that beer, something caught my attention. Why the fuck is water dripping through the ceiling? Oh, shit. So you got to be real careful if you set the stuff anywhere that, that doesn't have a, a drain close by or is not contained really well. Just plan on having floods. And if you're in an upstairs situation, I mean, just whatever. I would go soil. Um, but, yeah. That, or or invest in – I mean, you can go over to Home Depot and get a six-foot uh, by any length. They've got a roll of pond liner. And you can put that down, th- that down, and that'll save your butt a lot if you just. Yeah, you know, that is pretty that, thick stuff. Yeah, I think actually they even have a, a larger one. I think you can buy like a 16 foot by 20 foot piece of pond liner all ready to go for about a hundred dollars. I mean, take that. I would line your room, your whole room with that, and uh, I'd say that'd be a really good insurance policy. Definitely Some, something to think about, anyhow. Well, I want to get into, I'm going to do here a mental, you can help me out, checklist what you guys are going to need. First, I'm going to plug here, dudegrows.com. If you like what you're hearing, go check me out. You can see everything there. You can hook up with the show. You can give me some support if you need any all-mesh bubble bags. I got plenty of instructional videos on that as, as well. Um, and, yeah, dudegrows.com. You're listening to the Dude Grows Show with dropping knowledge, it's only going to get better as we go on. And um, yeah, how about we finish this up with let's try and sum up and uh, checklist what you guys are going to need. Because the number one thing before you think about doing deep water culture is see what your budget is because this shit can add up quick. Sure, uh, man. Sure. I'll start okay. off. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I could put a deep water culture room together in my head. You need you need the buckets. You know your basic setup, right? Yeah, build your system versus buy a complete system. You're going to save money building a system. Maybe. You know, it depends. I mean, what's a, what's a six-bucket or eight-bucket eight, eight bucket water farm with the reservoir and everything ready to go? Shit, off the top of my head, probably close to 400 I think. Oh, really? Shit, that is expensive. <laughs> well, price your system. So, so first piece of equipment, price your system. Uh, you can find plenty of pre-made shit. The video featured a current culture system, current culture DWC and those are pretty damn spendy, but they are, if you want everything out of the box, like as good as deep water culture can get, go to Current Culture and check out their equipment. Um, next, I would say uh, we could go to a badass pH pen. You don't want to skimp here. pH is super important. Um, Blue Lab has a good constant read. I like constant reads in a deep water culture system if you can. But regardless, don't skimp on a pH pen. Get a nice one, as well as we'll go right into a, a meter to read nutrient, either total dissolved, TDS meter, EC meter. EC meter is more what I prefer. Um, so, yeah, pH meter, nutrient meter, you can get them comboed together. Constant read is good, or you can get separate pens as long as you're always checking at different parts of your system. Guys, go light on your nutrients with DWC. You're feeding them oh, all the time. Good reminder. We didn't even say that. See, this is why we got Scott on here. Yeah, you can really do not listen to the parts per million. For example, Dutch Master suggests this. You know what? In an undercurrent, you talk to those guys out in uh, Long Beach. No, they're up in Fresno, I believe. Shout to Current Culture. You could you want to start at half ppm, like really low, guys, and you barely build up. We maxed out in peak flower at about 825 parts per million on a. Yep. a you know, you, you, if you're going to go higher than that, you better know your genetics well or you will burn quick within a couple of hours you can burn your plants 
man, I can't believe I forgot that, dude. This is Dude Grows. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a good call, man. Run your yeah, insurance I'm, freaking low. I'm going to hook you up with a link also. I, you know, I don't have it offhand, but I'm going to hook you up with that link for that $200 monitor, pH monitor controller. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can actually maybe maybe I'll do a blog on real growers about how to set it up because it is really a cool setup. You because know, cool. in deep in deep water culture you get a lot of of water loss. You know the plants use a lot of water and because it's constantly moving, uh, it you get a lot of evaporation. Yep. So this way, uh, when the when that affects the pH, it's actually bringing more water just with a slightly different pH, either an elevated. And as you're going into into flowering or as you're in vegetative, the the pH only goes one way. It doesn't fluctuate. It'll only either raise or, or lower. Down, yep. Yeah. So it's not like you really need a dual. Uh, you really need it to be plugged into you know a five gallon bucket of high pH water or low pH water. And if you're doing with an undercurrent model where you're, you're, all your sites are sharing. Um, you know, the, the same water and you're adjusting in a res, be patient, guys. You know, add a little, wait an hour. Like, it, it takes a while sometimes to circulate throughout uh, and get everything buffered out until you read. It's really easy to pH too low or too high and then keep battling it and start cussing. Like, damn, I wanted it here and I took it up to here and I got to take it down to here and I'm down at freaking 3.6. Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> but that's why it's nice to automate it. That's why it's nice to say, all right, I realize all I have to do is keep one bucket of 7.0 or you know 8.0 pH water, and that's that's all I have to do. Just make sure that bucket is filled. Yeah, that is. You're talking like pH of five gallon water of bucket you're going to add mm-hmm. and pH it high or low to to yeah, that's a good idea. Yep, and that can become your uh, you know what you use to replenish the reservoir as well from evaporation. So every you know if you know that every three days it's going to use five gallons of water. There you go. If it's going to use, you know, if every three days it's going to use 20 gallons of water, go grab yourself a 20-gallon reservoir. Yep. You know, supplement. We'll, Typically, we'll you're going to be topping, with, topping off fresh water, guys, too. And again, unless you know your genetics and how they're consuming nutrients, typically between res changes, you're topping off with fresh water. Sometimes if they're aggressively eating, you can top off with water that has uh, got a medium PPM range, but typically fresh water top off. Yeah, that's definitely a huge mistake you can make is always, always – adding more nutrient to the water, and then all of a sudden you're burning your plants. So fresh water is your friend in, in because the water is evaporating, but the salts are not. All right, let me get – so you said – I said we need some meters. You said we need the system. I'm going to say next we talked about chillers, guys. Size your chiller, and then if you can afford to, buy the one that's the next size up. Um, look at the price points, and keep in mind chillers are going to create heat when they're running, and they suck power when they're running. It's just like an AC for water. So, um, yeah, keep all that in mind and price them. And if you can, once you get into the larger sizes, you can go commercial uh, to uh, JBJ. was a pretty good chiller brand. I don't know uh, what they still got going on, but price your chillers. I think I had a Nautica. That was a real good one. A two-horsepower Nautica commercial one never let me down. Yeah, and you guys can go search the uh, – Hell, search the aquatic industry too. Uh, see what they got online to comp versus your hydroponic suppliers. They're doing the same job, so check it out both ways. As much as I do want you to support your local hydro shops, some people don't have that option. Absolutely. You got to keep them boys in business, keep this industry growing. What else you got? All right, water filtration. You're either going to need an RO or probably a dechlorinator. If you're going to spend all the time to run this like a race car, you're going to run it right. You wouldn't put 85 octane in a race car. There's, uh, we like the race car analogies. <laughs> uh, 
air pumps, you already mentioned that, man. Air pump size is going to depend on how many sites you got. You might need one, two, or one big badass one. Um, yeah, and hook it up that way. True. What else? Air, air stones. Yep. Air pump, air stones. Uh, and when we say air stones, what do they call them again? The, the you know the uh... diffuser. Yeah, there you go. That's that is what they're called. And the, if you look search on the catalogs, but they do have them that are made out of glass, and those are the ones to get. They maybe cost six, seven bucks a piece. They don't clog they, up. They, well, what happens when they do clog up? They can be cleaned. You can take the muriatic acid, you know, just swimming pool acid that you, you know that your swimming pool guy has or your spa guy would have, and uh, that's how you can clean those things. Yeah, and depending on how many sites you have and how much time you have for labor, get the square ones that are a dollar and replace them every time that you switch or grow over. Either that or if you're going to invest in them. Like I bought, I believe they were four inches long. You know, Basically, I had to size them to release enough air out of the regenerative blower. But you can get into that just, you know. Like I said, you can really get into this kind of stuff, and you can the more air you can push through that system to a point. I mean, to a point where after a while you'll actually damage the roots. But the to to that point, the more air you can push through that system, the higher performance you'll get. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And I mean, you guys can Google uh, Krusty. He's a pretty famous guy on on the forums and whatnot. Krusty the clown. <laughs> Krusty Buckets, man. <laughs> Krusty Buckets has a – it's kind of a deep water culture. I guess it is, but he just has a little bit of water in the bottom, and then he froths it up using some kind of a, some kind of hose you buy. I don't know. But uh, it actually he actually froths it. It makes this bubble almost a, uh, really interesting, and the performance that, that he's gotten is legendary. You know, It's documented. So you guys can Google Krusty Buckets versus DWC if you want to. Interesting. Yeah, let's do. I'm gonna do two more comments and get ready to sum it up here. Um, oh. Let's see. I got one. Basically, I would like to see, and we covered some of this. This is from MD Pelan One. You know, creative YouTube names here. I'd like to see an instructional video on when and how you would clean a system like this. You only need to clean it. I clean it once every cycle. Obviously, while it's in operation, it's not cleanable because the plants are in the sites, but. You have to clean it between every grow, between every uh, – you harvest your plants, boom, time to clean the whole system. Kind of a negative, in my opinion, compared to, you know, soil-based grow. Um, and we'll obviously have a, plenty more shows discussing plenty of growing techniques. But, yeah, it's a pain in the ass to clean sometimes, guys, and it's labor-intensive. If you do it right, you have to have all the right little brushes and, you know, get it cleaned really well with a proper cleaning solution, whichever you're using, bio-clean or et cetera. But – Kind of a yeah. pain. You got to do it at least three to four times a year, probably. And if you don't do a really good job of it, then you might as well not have done it at all. Yeah, <laughs> you know it I mean? just takes a little bit to hang out to freaking be, yeah, catastrophic. Um, all right, one. Uh, it's your last comment here. We'll hit Tnag Glassworks. Um, I like it, but what about when you need need to move a plant if it gets too big? And this reminded me of what if you need to quarantine a plant? And this type of system, guys, you can't really if it's time to get a plant out of there, you're typically you're, you're cutting it down and killing it because it has a problem. It's kind of hard sometimes the way these systems can be connected to just take a plant out. I mean, you can. It's possible. You can adjust the plumbing, but not nearly as easy if you have, hey, this plant's acting weird. It's a problem plant in a soil gar- a container-type garden. You just pick it up and take it out and say, hey, I'm quarantining that, that thing. And if a plant gets too big versus other ones, then that's probably a training issue or you're growing a variety of genetics in the same system, which is definitely not advised. 
So, um, yeah, sure. that's, that's what I have to say to I'll, TNA. Yeah. I was able to move monster plants. You know, we, we ran a you know something like you know when we were running commercial grows and whatnot, mm-hmm. we would bring we would bring them from vegetative into flowering. And I mean, you just pick that bitch up and walk with it. You know. True. True. I'm not going to say you can. Tomato cages, of course, you know, or bamboo stakes. You definitely need some kind of staking. But if it's properly supported. Well, um, if you're tied together, though, in the undercurrent system, for example, you're going to have to creatively qu- pl- like plug some plumbing holes up. I mean, that's oh, even a quarter-inch plumbing. and You pull the inner liner out, though. Most of them have an inner liner, right? True, yeah, and to stake your roots with them. Or, yeah, or just, I mean, most of them you know, have a five-gallon bucket or you have an extra cell laying around. You put it in that extra cell. And then you can move it. Good point. Yeah, it just that's true. You could just have another cell that just is ready for if you do have that situation. Unless your canopy is all, uh, if you're into flowering and you're doing sea green or your canopy is all trellis together, then that's really yeah. an issue. And but, I would say, man, bamboo stakes over trellis. I've oh, yeah. Been, I've I'm been using the bamboo. It. I was a trellis guy for years. Man, I'm loving the bamboo stakes. I am all about the bamboo stakes. I got Learned so that from bamboo. the dude. <laughs> so many bamboo stakes. I'm going to build a bamboo house soon. Um, <laughs> that's it, guys, for now. I don't want to keep it too long. You know, I'm going to be keeping on the comments. Like I, I said, I'll try my hardest. If you want to comment on this podcast, uh, feel free. We'll try and answer questions. You can always get a hold of me at dudegrows at gmail, dudegrows.com, dudegrows.com forward slash show, or just, you know, hit the banner. Simple enough. Uh, thanks Scott from realgrowers.com. Check him out. And we are only going to be networking here more and trying to get all the information out to you. Like I said, it's time. 64 is passed here in, in Colorado. Prohibition's fallen. We're going to have more medical states. We're going to have more legal states. So guys like me and Scott want to get the knowledge out to you, want you to learn how to grow without making too many mistakes, not waste too much money, and just, yeah, what, what we know about growing. Absolutely. Growing's fun when you get your harvest. Hell yeah, it's fun. It's therapeutic. Yeah, save money. You know, you like to know what you put in your what's in your food when you eat, hopefully. You want to know what's in your herb, guys. There's going to be a lot of nasty herb going around here. We'll be talking about that in shows as well. Um, hopefully testing some herb here soon. Herb meaning marijuana, cannabis, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, wait, let me back up. Yeah, it's just herb. You know, you don't know which one I'm talking about, but... <laughs> All right, we'll be back soon. I hope we're going to hit here sometimes with Scott, sometimes with not, a couple times a week at least. DudeGrowsShow.com, DudeGrows.com. Thanks, Scott. We'll hit it again soon. Right on, y'all. Later.
You're listening to The Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. 